This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Cactus League Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. What a night for Marco Gonzalez. Now, the Cactus League Report. Yes, it is that time of the week. Time for the Cactus League Report. Coming to you live from inside the Peoria Sports Complex. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. G-Man, it's great to be with you as always. It is great to be here. The sun is out, and we're going to talk some baseball. We are. We've got an hour-long program for you that will lead right into our brief pregame show, taking you up to first pitch. Chris Flexen is up on the bump tonight, scheduled to go four innings. And how about this, Gary? Nice producing on your part. But who else would be joining us in the program then? Chris Flexen. How about that? I know. It all came together, right? Nailed it. We've got a, a very rotation-heavy show for you, as in pitching rotation. Uh, Chris Flexen will be uh, stopping by. A good interview with Shannon Dreyer. Actually, with me and Gary. I beg your pardon. Uh, Shannon spoke with uh, Justin Dunn and uh, Nick Margavichis, uh, who we have seen this spring uh, pitch well. Also, Nick Margavichis is uh, with us right now. A conversation we had with the Mariners' starting pitcher, Nick Margavichis, uh, just a short while ago. Nick, it's wonderful to see you. It's great to be with you. Uh, first of all, uh, how are you doing as uh, spring training is about at the midway point? Uh, so far, spring's been really good. I can't believe we're two weeks away from opening day now. It feels like it's going so fast, you know, getting out here. And this was about the time we shut down last year. So it kind of feels like, you know, a little a little different now that we're really heading into a, a real full season. So uh, I'm doing well. Um, everything's been good so far in camp and uh, having a great time. How was your offseason this year different from those in the past, given the fact that you were coming off being with the big league club wire to wire and you're going into now your second year with the Mariners? Uh, you know, I think I learned a lot of things last year about myself as a pitcher, uh, just getting a lot more time in the big league rotation and uh, facing big league hitters all year. And uh, it kind of gave me some some goals for the offseason and uh, refining my secondary pitches. And that kind of led my offseason. Um, into a lot more throwing uh, off the mound and, and different stuff with my pitch shapes and things like that. But, uh, you know, uh, I learned a lot of things in, in quarantine and how to work out and, and just do things that whenever you can, just like everybody else working out in, in my living room uh, when I had to on the TV. Um, so learning those kinds of things during the quarantine and everything definitely helped this offseason and uh, allowed me to kind of do have a little bit of a different offseason. It's funny you bring that up because – I think one of the one of my biggest takeaways talking with a lot of pitchers now going into 2021 and being able to reflect on last year and the oddity that it was the inability for so many guys to be able to have a throwing program during the shutdown and have a, a regular regimented workout program like you're used to having and you've had essentially your entire professional life. I think right now we're beginning to find out even more than we did last year, how much that impacted so many guys velocity being probably the biggest part, but then I'm sure that there are so many other parts to it as well. How were you able to uh, maintain all those aspects of pitching when things were as irregular as they were? 
Well, I did the best I could. And, and that was kind of my thing every single day. And a lot of it depended on weather, honestly, because uh, we had to get outside. And, uh, you know, my brother-in-law, Mac, uh, he was 15 last, last year during the quarantine. And he would launch the ball as far as he could. And uh, <laughs> we had throwing program on our old high school field, just, just in a grass field. We'd launch the ball, and, uh, and he was able to catch my pitches and stuff. So that, that helped me a lot uh, with, with throwing. And then as far as lifting and stuff, I trained outside a lot. Uh, we found a squat rack, found some weights, and put it in my garage. And uh, I did, did what I could with the workouts there. But, you know, I think a lot of what I learned is how to be adaptable and how to, you know, work on the fly. You know, we're all, you know, really good athletes. And using that athleticism to, to get the most out of what we have took some creativity, but uh, certainly was able to find some use for it. That's great perspective. Being adaptable is so key. There's no doubt about that. Nick Margavichis is our guest on the Cactus League Report. Nick, I'm curious of, about your pitch mix, what it was like last year, and if you envision any changes, significant changes to it this year. You kind of went against the grain in 2020. And so far as you threw more fastballs last year and fewer sliders than the year before, which is we're seeing now in pitching today, whether it be starters, relievers, we're seeing guys throw more breaking stuff, fewer fastballs. You were heavy on the fastball usage. And by and large, it really worked out for you. Do you anticipate going in that same trend? Or I know you mentioned off-speed pitches earlier. Is there going to be more of an emphasis on the secondary stuff this year? Yeah, I think last year it was such a significant jump because I felt a lot better with my fastball. My fastball got better, got harder, had better action uh, last year compared to the year before. So I put in a lot of work in, in the tw going into the 2020 season on my fastball, and that was the result I got during the season. But going into this year, I think as my secondary stuff gets better, as I – and be able to throw it in the zone more and get more confident with it, uh, you're going to see the, the secondary pitches tick up a little bit and the fastball come down a little. My fastball has been my best pitch my whole life, basically. And uh, I was just feeling really confident with it. But I have other weapons, too. And going to those uh, when I need to is, is going to be huge for me, uh, not just this year, but going forward in my career. The, the, your two breaking pitches, your slider and your curveball, you threw roughly equally last year. Is there one that you feel is a, a more effective pitch than another? Uh, it depends on the situation. Uh, you know, there are times the curveball is going to be better for me uh, when I'm looking for a certain result. And when I go to the slider, uh, maybe I, I get more action on it. And it also depends right-handed versus left-handed hitters, of course. But just having the confidence that I can throw when I need to and when I want to, that's going to be what's, what's most important for my success. We were talking to Savage over the winter, and he said that at one point, and maybe it was in college, uh, a PA guy uh, referred to him as my sandwiches instead of Masevich. Uh, has there good. been a, yeah, we, I mean, it's that's hard to top. Has there been a, a PA gap for Margaviches? Well, it's heat with my sandwiches. Yeah, definitely. It's better than my sandwiches. It's better. So when I was uh, in uh, travel ball when I was younger, my, uh, my summer ball coach would just tell the people who were announcing, I mean, they wouldn't see my name one time ever. And he would tell them, just think of more cabbages. More. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he went with that. And you would hear sometimes more cabbages now batting or whatever when I would come up to play. It was so funny. More cabbages is definitely better than my sandwiches definitely. because nobody likes cabbage. No, you, yeah. you, you'd beat him all day long. Definitely. I mean, cabbages. I mean, I don't, I don't even think I've ever seen a cabbage. Now, there isn't much organic cabbage life in Cleveland. No, we. I. I mean, I might have it chopped in a salad, but I, I haven't seen. I've never picked it on myself. 
Uh, this is we are we are learning so much more than we could have ever hoped for with Nick Margavichus here on the Cactus League Report. Hey, uh, you are a proud Clevelander, man. Let's talk about your Browns. This was Let's a big about. year for your Browns, man. How, how many years before since the playoffs? I and mean, we're talking not decades. since I was born. First time, first time since I've been alive. First time since you were alive. Yes, yes. How, how? Tell me all about you watching this playoff game. Well, the first one was great. First play of the game, touchdown against the Steelers. That was unbelievable. I was like, this is not happening. I mean, they made the playoffs the week before. Then first play of the game, Aaron Snap recovering the end zone. I was like, this, this is unbelievable. And then they just beat down the Steelers, which was that. I mean, that was basically the Super Bowl because I think – Actually, they, they might have been in the playoffs since I was born, but they hadn't won a playoff game since before I was born. So that, that might have been true. And then uh, – so that was unbelievable to see that. And then, you know, they fought hard against the Chiefs. They played a really good game. Um, they uh, they came up short. And go, I mean, Higgins was going in at the, at the end of the first half. That was kind of the fumble out of bounds. I don't really like that rule. But uh, they came back in the second half, and, and they were good. But – you know, I'm a huge football fan all around, so I love watching all, all the playoff games. I watch every every primetime football game I'm watching. Um, I got the Sunday ticket. I watch every game on Sundays. Uh, I'm a huge football fan, so it's not just the Browns. It's a great football season all around. Are you a, like, are you a jersey guy? Like, are you wearing a Baker jersey when you're watching these games? What, what's, what's the attire looking like? Well, uh, funny about that. Every time I wore the Baker jersey, they, they were losing. I wore the Baker jersey, and they lost to the Jets. So that wasn't good. But then I switched to the Chubb jersey for the playoffs. So the Chubb jersey, the Chubb jersey's got some, got some mojo in it, I think. How many, uh, how many Browns jerseys? Like, do you have a Tim Couch jersey in the closet? No, my, my dad does, though. And he still brings it out. He'll bring it out. That's the only, the only Browns jersey he's got. He's got Tim Couch, number two. Uh, my family will play Turkey Bowl on Thanksgiving. So he brings that out once a year at least uh, for that game. Have you ever been in the dog pound, by the way? Yeah, actually, great story. So when I was playing flag football, I threw a touchdown into the dog pound end zone. Flag football, I was probably six or seven years old. And uh, so we got to play at halftime during a preseason game. And I threw a touchdown going into the dog pound. It was sick. Are you serious? Yeah. I think – I don't know if they have video of it, but there might have been – there's probably a picture of me on the field somewhere. My mom's got to have it. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that true story. Did you play football, like, in high school? Uh, I played up until my freshman year, broke a knuckle on my left hand, and that was it for me. <laughs> but I so, love football. I'm, I mean, throwing a flag football touchdown into the dog pound, this is your greatest non-baseball athletic accomplishment. <sighs> I think you're right. It might be. Non-baseball <laughs> probably is. It's a good story. I, that's a great story, man. Yeah. That's a story for your life. All right. Very good. Nick, man, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, we're glad you're doing so well. And uh, we look forward to watching you all season long. It was, it was a real treat to get to meet you last year and watch your progression in the Mariners uniform. And we can't wait for year two for you, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us tonight. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Great, great talking to you, too. Uh, Nick Margavichus, my goodness, throwing a touchdown, a flag football touchdown into the dog pound end zone at halftime at a Browns preseason game. Can I tell you, striking gold as somebody who does interviews is when the person on the other side says, oh, great story. <laughs> what are the odds that we would have learned that about Nick Margavichus? Uh, what a, a fantastic young man and uh, fighting for that number six spot in the rotation with Justin Dunn. We'll be talking with Justin Dunn when we come back. He's Shannon Dreyer's guest in just a moment 
along the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariners Spring Training in Arizona. That's right. We are live from inside the Peoria Sports Complex. We are taking you up to first pitch Mariners and the Angels going at it tonight here from Peoria, Arizona. It's been a beautiful day. Temperatures in the low 70s, blue skies overhead. As uh, we are with you for uh, the better part of well, at least the next 45 minutes or so up until the pregame show and first pitch time with Chris Flexen up on the mound. We'll be joined by Chris Flexen coming up in a short while here on the Cactus League Report. We'll also hear from Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander, who joins us live at the end of the program. But right now, we hand things over to Mariners starting pitcher Justin Dunn and Shannon Dreher. Justin, what is it like to be in camp this year and have kind of all of the newness and all of the firsts and everything else behind you? It's a lot of fun. Um, it's almost like you have a couple answers to the test, um, but you still don't quite have all the answers that Marco and Paxton have. Um, but understanding how to get ready and, and what it takes to get ready to play a season is, is a lot easier now. Um, first time hopefully going to get to do it for 162, so it'll be some first there, but um, I'm excited and, and I'm feeling really good. What did you need to go through last year to get to where you're at right now? Um, I just think that entire year. Um, getting humbled, getting punched in the face a little bit, having to work, compete, work through things, not having my best stuff. Um, all kind of taught me that, one, I can pitch at that level, and to be able to pitch at that level with D minus, C plus stuff at best at times um, gives me a lot of confidence and a lot of hope going into this season with my stuff back that I'm accustomed to pitching with, the stuff I've been pitching with since I was 17. Um, and honestly, I haven't had it for two years now. So to go back out and, and really um, have that stuff back, have the slider sharpness back, have the curveball back, and really excited about where this changeup could go. Um, I'm excited to, to put it all out there against hitters and see how it works. Hey Justin, there's so much to unpack there. And I, let's just start being humbled. Was that the first time you were humbled in pro ball? No, 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 no. no. Okay. Uh, the first time I was humbled <laughs> was in 2017. Um, the first real time I was humbled was in college, my first year in college. But uh, 2017, I got off to a really rocky start with the Mets in high A and got punched in the mouth a lot and was honestly on the verge of quitting. Um, and that was probably the lowest I've ever been. Um, went through like a lot of depression and anxiety and things like that. And wasn't just wasn't having fun playing the game. But that year was instrumental to where I am now. It's taught me that I can get up from my debut. You know, my debut wasn't great, but because I've had games like that in the past, I knew I was going to be okay. Um, coming off last year, getting punched in the mouth again, I knew that all I had to do was go put hard work in. And, and after 2017 and that year, when I got punched in the mouth, I went out and worked really hard that offseason and, and made some changes and ended up winning pitcher of the year that year with the Mets. And it just showed that I still have the ability and I'm confident in myself and just a matter of how much work I wanted to put in to, to get to where I need to be. Hey, almost quitting is extreme. What got you out of that? Um, faith. Uh, God is good. My mom, my girlfriend, my dad, my brother, my good friends. Um, I'll, I'll say quitting was an extreme word, but I was I was at a very low point. I was ready to go home um, and, and regroup. I'll say that. That was probably the better word. I was on the verge of going home. I remember being in a bathroom stall on FaceTime with my mom and saying, I need you. I just want my mom. Mm. Um, and like I said, yeah, that was the lowest point I've ever had in my life. What'd your mom tell you then? Breathe. She said breathe. Um, and she asked me if I wanted her to get on a flight, and I said, yeah. And she said, okay, just breathe. I'll call you after the game. Sat down at the game and um, had a conversation with myself and realized I'm not a quitter. Never quit at anything I've ever done in my life. Um, it's a learning lesson I've had to learn before, 
So just keep taking the punches, keep learning, and it's only going to make me stronger in the long run. And I called her back and said, Mom, I don't need you anymore. And she said, I know, I just needed you to breathe. You were going to be just fine. I raised you for this. When was the last time you had a chat like that with your mom? Uh, a lot last year. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, th not that serious. Um, mm. But we had some real converse, uh, conversations last season. Um, on a faith baseline of not trying to do things on my own and understanding that I, I have help and I have um, God who's going to have my back and he's blessed me with everything I have on the mound. But for a while I was trying to block it and do it all on my own and realizing that I can't really do it by myself. These were all gifts given to me by him. And now I'm just giving it to him. And every game I step on the mound, I'm just his servant and letting, letting my abilities come out through the stuff he's blessed me with. So it's put me at ease a lot and uh, touching the mound has been a lot easier for me. Those are such tough lessons to learn. They always say you guys are always at the top of your sport wherever you are up until you get here. And yep. Sometimes that, you know, what would you, what advice would you share with a young person who might be going through that? Um, I, I say the same thing to everybody I talk to. Um, the mind's a very powerful thing. I was coming up, I was the kid in travel ball who was never going to be having this interview with you. Um, all my friends didn't think I was good. I was a little guy. Um, I didn't have, I didn't hit for power. I didn't throw hard. I didn't do anything crazy, but this is what I wanted to do since I was seven years old. And I told my mother that at seven. Um, I told her at 11 I didn't want to go to college. I told her at 12 I was going to go in the first round. And um, I've always believed in myself. Um, and, and that's probably the biggest thing is if you can see something in your mind and you really want to get it done, you can do it. It's going to take a lot of hard work and sacrifice to get there, um, which I've gone through a lot over my career and my life. Um, but it's all worth it in the long run to be able to do this and, and start having some success. I'm going to be honest here with you. Last year, you seemed to be talking a really good game. <laughs> and I'm sure that's part of you. Even when thing, you know, and that confidence is part of you. And this year, watching you down here, I realized, my gosh, you were a pitcher who was pitching without his weapons for the last mm -hmm. two years. What was that like? Um, it was tough because last camp, I thought I had him back. Um, the beginning, our first spring training, thought I had him back. And uh, the quarantine... I had always known, once I realized that the velocity was there, I was kind of just like, all right, it'll be here. Um, and during the quarantine, New York was so bad, and my dad was kind of in tune with everything that was going down, working at DOH, and he told me to stay here. And, um, being here and not really knowing the baseball circuit as well as I know it at home, there were a lot of doors that were closed that mm -hmm. if I were at home and could have got into batting cages of teams that I used to play for, or gyms of my old trainers and things like that, I, I think it would have stayed last year. Um, but, you know, you, you got to work with what you got. And at one point in my life, I had to pitch without velocity. I had to pitch off knowing how to pitch. And last year was just me being retaught that lesson. Mm -hmm. so I'm a pitcher. Um, sometimes when I get my velocity, I become a thrower. And my first inning of camp, I was, I was a thrower. Mm -hmm. And that second inning, um, I kind of locked it back in and, and told myself, pitch, Justin, pitch. You have to pitch. And, um, and that's kind of where I'm trying to be at right now. And that's where I've been at last outing and my last inning of the first game. So... Just being a pitcher with the stuff I have now is a lot of fun. Um, makes my life a little bit easier, but uh, still a lot to learn. And Pax and Marco and everybody have been so helpful and teaching me a lot along the way. So it wasn't Fraley's wife's chocolate chip cookies then? It wasn't the cookies. No, 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 no. Those cookies. I ate way worse in college, I'll tell you that. I used to, in college, I was eating double cheeseburgers every day. And I threw, I still threw hard, so it wasn't the cookies. All right. Well, well chronicled. There's no, what, dairy now and no eggs, and, and you're surviving. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple other things in there, but 
Yeah. What's your favorite thing that you can have now? I've become a huge fan of salmon, and actually oh, I'm hearing right that place. in the Pacific Northwest we have some unbelievable salmon, so yes. I'm super excited to get out there and try that. Good for you, good for you. Uh, what would be just kind of an ideal rest of the spring camp for you? Stay where I'm at. Stay where I'm at. Um, get this changeup really locked in. I think if we can get that pitch locked in before we have the season, it'll be a, be a fun year. Perfect. Can I ask you one thing? Yes. I noticed you on the mound the other day. Your setup when you're in the stretch really looked familiar. Did you take that from anyone? <laughs> um, coming up, I was a big fan of Mariano Rivera. Um, and the little toe touches I have before is I took from Mo. Okay, somebody else does that. Somebody who wore a Mariners jersey for a long time. Felix. Did he really? It's a total Felix. I never... Watch him when he settles in. He okay. totally does. It, it just, it absolutely jumped out at me and pointed out to Rick and Gary and they, they saw the same thing immediately. Really? Yeah, I did not notice Mariano. that he did that. Mariano's good too, though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I took I took the long sleeves from Fee. I tried to take the long sleeves from him and the energy he pitched with, but no, Mariano was, was my guy coming up. It's a good guy. Good guy to have. Oh, I forgot to ask. Um, Pete Freitas. Yes. Uh, uh, big, big, big. Yes, uh, yes, yes. You've got the ALS day this year. Yes. What does that mean to you? Everything. I'm, I'm in the process of working on some cleats to get made. Um, I got Team Freight Train on my gloves for him, strikeout ALS. So ALS is very near and dear to my heart. And um, to see the effects that that disease actually has on people's lives and their families, and it's terrible. And, and anything I can do to help continue to find a cure is, is what I've told Pete I was going to help him do when I met him in 2013 and I think what the league is doing in MLB and this is our disease unfortunately we'll always be associated with it but I think we can do some great things as a league and really bring awareness and hopefully carry on with Pete and uh, Stephen Piscotti and a lot of other uh, baseball players have been doing to, to raise awareness to this disease and maybe we can be the ones that, that create the awareness enough to get to get it taken care of and, and get a cure. What was the impact that he had on you? He taught me to fight. He taught me to fight. Um, I can go back and pull up DMs from him of after good days and bad days, and he put a lot of things into perspective. Um, I can go out and have last year and it not be the best year of my life, and I can look at it as a negative, or I could be diagnosed with that disease and have a smile on my face every day like he did. Um, so he kind of just showed me that no matter what I'm going through in life, that it'll never be as bad as that. And if he could look at that essentially a death sentence, and go to his family and say, my goal now is I don't want anybody else to ever have to go through what I'm going through. He's a hero, he's a legend, um, and he'll live with me forever. That's incredible perspective. Thank you. I'm so glad to see you where you're at right Thank now. Thank you very Justin. much, I appreciate you, Shannon. Our thanks to Justin Dunn and Shannon Dreyer for joining us here tonight on the Cactus League Report. When we come back, we will hear from tonight's starting pitcher, a new face in a Mariners uniform this year. Chris Flexen joins us after this timeout on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariners Spring Training in Arizona. That's a good-looking lineup for manager Scott Service tonight against the Angels. A number of regulars in there, including guys like Kyle Seeger, Mitch Hanniger, Ty France, many others. Tom Murphy as well. We are taking you up to first pitch, Mariners and the Angels. Taking, uh, let's see, underneath the lights tonight, lights are not on yet. They're in the home whites this evening, which is just the second time this spring they've not been in the uh, alternate spring training tops that we see almost each and every night 
here down in the Cactus League. New face for the Mariners this year in the rotation is Chris Flexen, who last year spent the season pitching in the KBO in Korea. And not long ago, Chris had the chance to join Gary and myself and talk about his journey to the Mariners. Chris, first of all, welcome to the Mariners. It's so great to finally be able to talk to you. How are your, your earliest days in Peoria and in, in Mariners Blue treating you? Uh, thanks, you guys, for having me on the show. Um, it's been great so far. I mean, this organization has welcomed me with open arms. And, uh, you know, for the first uh, month or so we've been here, uh, it's been a blast for me so far. Man, it's been a whirlwind for you, no doubt. When you think back to your time with the Mets, to going to Korea, uh, posting fantastic numbers, and then uh, finding out that the Mariners were interested and then you guys come to terms. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, before we start talking about your actual experience in Korea, what that kind of courting process was like between you, your agent, Jerry DePoto, Justin Hollander, and, and, and how all this came together? Uh, yeah, so like for my first time going through it, I mean, it was it was exciting. It was overwhelming. You know, it was a, it was a pretty uh, unique experience for me. Um, you know, um, I was able to uh, get on a Zoom call with uh, Jerry DePoto with my agent as well. And, uh, you know, he kind of gave me a breakdown of what the Seattle Mariners were about, you know, kind of who they got, who the staff was. And, you know, and, and really just sold me on wanting to come here and, and, and got me really excited to uh, to want to be a Seattle Mariner. What went into your decision to go to Korea? Um, I think it was the best opportunity for me at the time. Um, I think uh, when I was in a, in a unique situation over there in New York, you know, being out of options and, you know, kind of a guy who has not been able to break through at the big league level. So, uh, you know, it was something where I thought it'd be uh, uh, my best decision to, uh, you know, help further my career. You know, go go to Korea. They, I knew they wanted me as a starter, be able to go make 25 starts, throw 150 plus innings, you know, and and be able to have that opportunity. Uh, 25 starts and 150 innings is like a completely foreign language <laughs> in Major <laughs> League Baseball right now. Uh, you have immense value for many reasons, but those two things are, are near the very top of the fold. We're joined by Chris Flexen, new Mariners starting pitcher who spent last year in the KBO uh, pitching for Doosan. First of all, you look a lot different than you probably did uh, a year ago, maybe uh, 16 months ago. You have lost a ton of weight, man. Uh, yeah. Tell us about uh, your weight loss journey to get to where you are today. Yeah, um, I mean, I started back in uh, 2019. You know, I, I was—I that's the first time I dropped a lot of the weight. Um, back in 2018, I was up to 265 pounds. Got down to about 230, 235 uh, going into that year in 19. And then coming back into this year and even in Korea, I got as low as uh, 215. So I'm hovering around 215 to 220 right now. And just much better weight for me and just eating cleaner, being more mindful of what I'm eating, portion control. And um, I do uh, personal training down in Port St. Lucie. I have a personal trainer. His name's Brian Wright. And uh, over at Barless Methods, and he, he's just phenomenal. I mean, he, he does an awesome job. So I have to know, what is the one thing that you're eating now that is helping you maintain this perfect weight that in 2018, you're like, man, there is no way I'm eating that. Um, I don't think, any, like, no specific food that's changed. Um, it's just more of the choices of food. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy on the road sometimes to just go out late night and get fast food and Whereas now I'm trying to be more conscious of it. And it's usually, uh, you know, lean meat, like a chicken and vegetable. You know, my, my fiance and I, we try to cook as much as we can at home. And it's usually every night is 
vegetables. So just try to be more mindful of, of the eating. Aaron, he said portion control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I there's I feel like Chris said vegetables many times right there, and I I haven't heard that word used with such frequency in quite some time. And I'm just going to let you take the next question, Gary, because I have to recover from what Chris just said. But he looks great. He looks fantastic. I mean, how different are you as a pitcher with the Mets compared to right now? Uh, I think I'm a totally different person. I think the stuff has gotten a little better, but um, I don't think there's any drastic change. Um, I think, you know, we go over to uh, Korea, I was able to really fine tune my breaking ball. I think that was one of the biggest changes. Um, and also for me, it, it, it's, it's, it was more of a confidence thing. I feel so much more confident now. I feel like I can trust myself, trust my stuff. And uh, that's something I, I never had when I was uh, in New York. You mentioned uh, fiance when you made this radical life change to move to Korea uh, for a baseball season. Did she come along with you or did she have life in the States that kept her grounded here? Uh, She had both. So she was actually able to uh, make it out to Korea for about two and a half months. And then um, because we're not married, so she didn't have a year long visa. And then they had a, like a two week quarantine rule. So she never came back, but yeah, so she was out there for two and a half months, had a blast. I mean, we, we, we enjoyed uh, our experience out there and uh, loved trying all the new foods and stuff like that. And then, yeah, she had her, her life back in the U.S. as well. Yeah, outside of baseball, what was the experience like living there? Uh, at first, very overwhelming. Um, you know, and then uh, <clears throat> the organization did a great job of, you know, making sure we felt comfortable and had everything we needed and, um, I, I met somebody that was, uh, in with the organization that at the hotel that kind of like took me around and showed me the way a little bit. And, you know, once I was able to get comfortable after the first couple of weeks, it was smooth sailing for me. I mean, Seoul is absolutely beautiful. I mean, the people were awesome there and it's, uh, it's a lot more modern than you would think. And, um, you know, I never really felt out of place as far as like with the language and stuff, you know, you have certain times where it's, it's more difficult than others. You know, you have to use a translator app or something, but a lot of them try to speak English and they know enough to be able to have small conversation. We're joined by a new Mariner starting pitcher, Chris Flexen on the Cactus League report. That experience for you, even if it was only one season, how does that change your perspective when you come back into a major league clubhouse and you are interacting with players from different parts of the world? Maybe some of them don't speak much English, if any English. What kind of empathy has that taught you for you thinking, hey, I know what those shoes feel like? Yeah, uh, big time. You know, especially, um, you know, when I was younger, seeing a lot of uh, Latin guys for the first time in, in baseball and not being able to speak English and you know, that's something I've never like looked down on, you know, and I, I've done my best to try to learn Spanish with these guys along the years. And, uh, you know, so yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of MPP for them and a lot of respect for them trying to come to another country and, you know, play a game and not know the language. And, you know, on the field, it's a lot easier. Some, most of the guys, you'll have translators, you have someone who knows, but it's, it's more of the off field stuff. That's the scary part. And, you know, the overwhelming part, but yeah, a lot, a lot of empathy for those guys. Chris, it's interesting because when a player goes to 
the KBO, a, a lot of players drift into the complete shadows of baseball, never to be maybe heard from again, if not for a year or two before they resurface and hopefully can come back to the Major League Baseball. But in your particular case, timing being what it was, uh, you were center stage. I mean, the KBO was the only game in the world going on. And at two or three in the morning, depending on where you lived in the country, uh, you were on national TV on ESPN. Uh, did you have any friends or family from around the country who were flipping on at one, two, three in the morning watching Chris Flexen in the KBO? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a few people reach out and said they watched me in the morning and then uh, a lot of them would try to record it and watch it when they woke up and things like that. I, I am curious about your time with the Mets. You, uh, shared a clubhouse with one of the greatest pitchers walking the planet right now in Jacob deGrom. Was there anything from deGrom that you observed uh, or in conversations with him that really stood out to you the most? When, when I first came up um, in 17, you know, he kind of like uh, reached out like towards my debut and just try to help me like give me advice through that and how to like just stay calm through the moment and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, I mean, just watching him, I mean, just seeing how he, you know, goes about his business and his uh, bullpen sessions is just phenomenal. And I mean, he's just an unbelievable talent. Well, Chris, it's been such a treat to catch up with you a little bit. And we're, we're so grateful for your time. And we're excited to watch you uh, pitch on U.S. soil once again. Thank you for being with us tonight on the Cactus League Report. Appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Our thanks to Chris Flexen, who pitches tonight for Scott Service. Slated to go uh, hopefully four innings. Here as we are in the uh, back nine of Cactus League play. Mariners and the Angels tonight when we come back on the Cactus League Report. We're joined by Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander, who joins us live for the program straight after this timeout. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariners Spring Training in Arizona. Uh, we are thrilled to have you with us on the Cactus League Report, the Mariners and the Angels tonight from Inside the Peoria Sports Complex, Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill. And uh, really pleased right now to be joined by uh, Justin Hollander, Mariners Assistant General Manager in the booth next to us. We see him through the plexiglass. Justin, looking great, man. How are you? It's the pilot sweatshirt, isn't it? Is. It is. You have an amazing pilot sweatshirt that we are very jealous of, and they are now extinct. Not the pilots, but your sweatshirt, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's one of a kind. You have a collector's item you're wearing. I will wear it until it is in shreds. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, we uh, we have so many things uh, that we want to talk to you about. We don't have nearly enough time uh, here on the program, but we have to start with what Gary and I were talking about last night on the air as the coolest thing we have seen in spring training this year, which was Julio roping a dinger on a line the opposite way at 115 off the bat from a guy who was blowing nearly triple digits on the mound. You and Jerry and a number of others from Baseball Ops were sitting together at Surprise Stadium last night when that happened. What was it like for you guys and your conversations when that happened? There was a collective and audible wow. Um, you don't see anybody do that. The, how he hit that ball, we, we were throwing out comps like vintage Frank Thomas, vintage Mike Piazza, Giancarlo Stanton. Like For him to be 20 years old and do that, and you've seen it coming if you've watched our games over the last week or so. Um, the at-bats have been better. He's been getting into really good counts. Uh, a lot of 2-0 and 3-1 counts. He's been taking his walks and really seeing the ball well. 
and I feel like it all came out in that one swing last night. It was an absolute explosion. It was awesome. Anytime you want to have me on to talk about that, I'll be <laughs> happy to come on and talk about it. Yeah, it's. I mean, talk about his progression. It's easy to forget how much time he lost last year yeah. and, and how many games he didn't play last year. And it's uh, to watch his progression this spring has been so much fun. It was, you know, a, a lot of players lost time last year. He doubly lost time because yeah. he broke his wrist in the summer camp, as you recall. So he didn't even get the at-bats in the scrimmage format of the uh, the alternate site last year. So he just had to sit and do conditioning. And he went and played some Dominican Winter League, um, and he was incredibly young for that level of play and just got some reps this winter. And I think for those that have seen Julio this year or last year, he spent an, an unbelievable amount of time working on his body, getting in, quote-unquote, the best shape of his life. <laughs> he looks phenomenal. Like, he looks great. You know, equally impressive, well, not quite equally impressive. Let's not get crazy, but the 105 mile an hour ground ball single that he turned into a double just through foot speed and hustle later in the game was also awesome to see just how easily he's moving right now. How good of a runner is he? How do you, on a scale, what, how is Julio an athlete? He's an above average athlete. Uh, the, the shape he's in now, he's an above average runner right now. Maybe average under, maybe average to start and above average underway, but he's moving great right now. He's stealing bases, he's covering ground in the outfield. I think he's a solidly above-average runner on our scale, a 55 runner right now. It, it's interesting to hear that you had the same reaction that we did to see the home run. And I'm curious, you know, spring games are so different than regular season games for a variety of reasons. How do you watch a spring training game? What are you looking at? I try not to care about the results at all. I, I read yesterday, I think it was or the day before, someone had a, a big breakdown on the Jake Fox spring training from like 2010 or 2011 where he hit 11 home runs yes. in 20 games. Yes. And he was like yes. Babe Ruth of spring training. Like uh, Every year there's somebody who does something you're not expecting, and I think if you're just putting all your eggs in the results basket of spring training, you're going to make mistakes over and over again. Um, process, physicality, changes to stuff for pitchers, um, whether they have a better feel for their own sense of what they're good at and not good at, that's really what we're focused on. I, I don't really get hung up on the results if someone hit 230 versus 270. It's, it's kind of all the same. Spring training will fool you. We had it a couple years ago here. If I don't know if you remember. I think it was in 18 when Edwin Encarnacion was here, and I don't think he got a hit all of spring training. And he came out and absolutely unloaded on the league in April. And the whole spring training, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> he, might not ever get he might not ever get a hit again. And as soon as the lights came on, we got we went to Japan. He had a couple of good swings in Japan, and we got back from Japan, and he just went ballistic in April and May. Um, most players know how to get ready uh, once the season starts, and they're just they're working on things. They're not competing like you would see in a regular season game. It was a shock to many that Carlos Peguero didn't win a league MVP <laughs> after uh, one Cactus League season. We're joined by Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander. Justin, one of the really pleasant developments and surprises maybe in spring training has been Justin Dunn's velocity. And we know he has changed his body, he's changed his diet, and the velo has ticked up to what it was when he was a closer in college. What has it been like for you and Jerry to watch this uh, sudden development in Dunn's game? That's a great example of what we were just talking about. Uh, whether Dunny would come in and have the lowest ERA on the staff or the 10th highest ERA on the staff, what we're seeing from him are real physical positive changes, both in the, the physical construction of his body and also the shapes of the pitch, the velocities of his pitches. Um, he just looks great. I, I gave him all the credit in the world. We gave him a lot. Like we were, we put a lot on his plate that we really wanted him to work on this offseason, maybe too much that was reasonable to expect someone to do. Given the season that he had with the uneven nature of it, he was really in survival mode last year. He was working without really any weapons. He didn't have his best command. It was his first real time in the big leagues, and he's doing it in a pandemic. 
And we were very blunt about where we thought he was last season and the things he needed to change and get better at, and he did them all. I uh, I don't want to say I'm surprised. I think it's a momentous accomplishment for him to have uh, accomplished what he accomplished in a single offseason. It really speaks to his work ethic, his intelligence, and his aptitude to have accomplished so much in one offseason. It's been interesting to hear from some of the guys. Uh, you know, not everyone had the same access you know, when baseball was shut down last year, and it's been interesting to hear some of those stories. How has that gone into how you looked at performances last year and looking at different pitchers specifically coming into this season? We talked a lot about it uh, in the offseason with our own players and with players around the league that may have been free agents. Uh, you just have to put the appropriate context on what last season was like with a startup in spring training, mm. a shutdown, a very quick startup again, and then really unusual playing conditions. Like, we played home games on the road last year. <laughs> uh, we had no ramp-up time. Guys were stuck in the hotel. You know, guys didn't have access to their family. They had no video in season. I mean, really just an unusual set of protocols. If you're ever going to give people contextual passes for what happened last season and to make excuses for why they maybe didn't do the things that you would have hoped they would have done there's a lot of those reasons last year and try and be mindful of of what true talent is versus what may have been affected by the pandemic and the unusual situation we have about five minutes left with mariners assistant general manager justin hollander justin what has it been like for you to observe the taylor trammell experience here in the cactus league oh it's been awesome it's been awesome i get a chance to meet taylor after we traded for him at the alternate site last year and just a, a really easy person to talk to really bright really intelligent and but didn't really have a feel for how good a player he was at that point we really didn't have him that long we got as you remember we had wildfires in seattle in the northwest last year so we really didn't get to see a lot of them uh he took it upon himself to go to instructional league uh i didn't go to instructional league last year because i didn't want to get divorced so <laughs> i stayed in seattle um and uh i i'd heard good reports but he didn't really put it all together and i one thing that is like we talked about not confusing results with process from day one when he showed up, Tim Laker, Jared DeHart, Emmanuel Safuentes, our assistant farm director, immediately, oh, my God, this guy looks phenomenal. Before the results had happened on the field, in love with where his swing was at, in love with the way he was moving, just crushing the ball in live sessions, crushing the ball in BP. And I think that sort of speaks to the kind of process we're looking for as opposed to sort of a results-oriented focus. Oh, he's hitting 300, and he had a couple home runs in spring training. It was noticeable from day one from all of our evaluators how good he looked. I'm guessing some of those descriptions you could use for Ty France as well and what we've seen so far. Absolutely. Uh, and, and Ty has a track record of hitting, maybe not yeah. like this, but has a track record of hitting all the way through the minor leagues. Actually, hitting better than this at AAA a couple years ago, for to sure. be fair to Ty. Uh, he can really hit. Um, you know, it's, it's this really unusual combination. He's just good at everything. He makes great swing decisions. He hits the ball hard. Uh, he hits the ball on a line. He hits it at good angles. There's just no real, he doesn't swing and miss a lot. There's just no real weakness in his game. And he's a guy that we've tracked for a while for that reason. When you're good at everything, if you just turn the knob one little bit, you have a chance to be great because you have no flaw. And we're really seeing what kind of hitter he's been since we've get, we've acquired him and given him the chance to play every day. He just, he hits velocity. He doesn't chase. He hits mistake breaking balls and he uses the whole field. He's a really tough hitter to game for, game plan for. And we're seeing it play out both in the regular season last year and in spring training now. Really, really happy with where he's at. 
Justin, with just a minute or so left, uh, Chris Flexen goes tonight. Uh, he has looked good in spring training. He is uh, most certainly part of your rotation uh, come opening day, part of the six-man rotation for the Mariners. What have been the initial takes on what he's been able to do? Completely as advertised. I, you know, I, I've talked to a couple people about this already. We, we thought we had a guy that had four pitches, that knew how to use his stuff, could get swings and misses with a couple pitches, could throw strikes with all his pitches. Um, all of our looks, both scouting and analytical, since he came to the States and, and put on a Mariners uniform, have matched up exactly with what we thought we were getting. I'm really, really happy with where Chris is at, and I can see his confidence growing. I imagine for him, going and having so much success and then coming back, maybe there was some doubt, like, will it translate? It appears to be translating just fine, and he was great against roughly the Dodgers A lineup the other night and not afraid at all and really did a nice job. How are you in getting into the best shape of your life? Not great. <laughs> Not great. I uh, I have been getting after it. Jack Mossman has been staying on me every day to make sure I get my workout in every day, and you just don't want to disappoint Jack. So yeah, Jack, really... Jack gets the gains with a Z big time. Yeah. So I have not been going in the Jack Mossman jump in the pool every morning to get the day started at, like, 6 in the morning plan. <laughs> but the elliptical is enough of the best shape of my life for me. Yeah, Jack, our traveling secretary, a big part of baseball ops, and just a wonderful human being as well. Justin, man, it's so great to talk to you. We know you're going all over the place, and your days are long, so we're so grateful for your time here tonight. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to tonight. One of our favorites, Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander. As uh, we are taking you up to the pregame show, the Mariners and the Angels here tonight, uh, it sounds like he was as excited about Julio as we were. Yes, which is, <laughs> you know, it's fun to hear that I think everyone that saw that had the same exact reaction. It's just, it's not something you see. It's a rare... from a, Especially from a 20-year-old. Yeah, and the comps, you know, the Frank Thomas. Oh, my and, gosh. You know, and it's true. I mean, that, those are the kind of home runs you'd see from Frank Thomas and, and players like that. It's just so unique and we were talking about it you know you get those moments sometimes in spring training games and in games where the results don't matter but sometimes you get moments like that that you just won't forget right like that's a home run that we won't forget seeing well and the smile on his face as he was rounding the bases uh which i think we could have predicted from julio from uh what we know about julio rodriguez but uh, there is almost nobody i think it's fair to say who likes playing this game as much as julio uh Garrett, will we be able to hear this um, program again at some point? Yes, it's going to be on Mariners Pod tomorrow. All right. If you missed anything. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, Nick Margavichus, uh, Justin Dunn, Chris Flexen. Uh, more cabbages. More, more, more cabbages, which is one of our favorite moments of the spring as well. Maybe right behind the Julio Dinger. And, of course, uh, Justin Hollander. we got plenty more to get to. We've got first pitch coming up in about 10 minutes. And uh, we also have the pregame show. Uh, right here from the Peoria Sports Complex, which is coming up right after this quick timeout. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 